chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we, we're thankful that we have a warm and powerful truth to spread everywhere. Father, I pray that as your disciples, as your children, we would be about doing that. I ask God for the filling of your spirit. Help me to minister the word to your church uh, this morning. Fill my dear wife with your spirit, relaying the message in sign. Be with those in the nursery today, watching the children, fill with thy spirit in the ministry there. We've been privileged already to have Sunday school for the adults and children, and we're thankful for the word that has gone forth there, and the wisdom and power of your word that we have to yield to in our lives and, and to uh, become uh, all that you'd have us to be by your power and by your grace. We're thankful that when you uh, save us, you finish the work. You are the author and finisher of our faith. And so we thank you for that, dear God. And, and we look to you just again to do a work in our hearts that only you can do. Uh, enlighten our minds. Give us understanding as to how to apply your word to our, life, our lives and hearts. And I'm thankful for each one here today. I'm thankful for those that are with us online. And Father, we look for the time when we can all be back together. and We know that some are not here because of uh, health concerns and such. And we pray for them. Be with them. We're thankful that for those with us uh, online. Uh, but God, uh, once again, as your word goes forth, uh, convict souls, Father, and uh, some folks receiving this message may not be saved. There may be some who receive this message and they don't know for sure they're going to be in heaven when they die. And I pray they get that settled. They don't know for sure their sins are forgiven or can be forgiven. And they're not sure about that if, they've, if they've, that has happened in their lives. And help them, God. And Father, for those who have, this message was for disciples. We need to be growing more like you because you have forgiven us because you've given us your spirit and your word and all your promises and so I pray that as we yield to your spirit we would see these things these fruit in our lives as we endeavor to be, this, be the disciples you've called us to be and Lord help us to be careful to thank you and praise you we ask it in Jesus name and for his glory amen amen you may be seated <clears throat> We're looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount for the next few Sundays. And uh, we've seen that the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus' uh, first recorded sermon that Jesus preached. It was the longest recorded sermon Jesus preached. Uh, and uh, he's preaching it to his disciples. He's called the, his disciples have come up on the Mount. So it's for, uh, first and foremost, believers. There are some application for the lost as well. But it's first and foremost uh, for believers. Uh, we saw last week, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, and we learned from that that uh, we learned early on in our salvation that in and of ourselves we have nothing to offer God. We're poor in spirit. We have nothing to pay for our salvation. 
It's not purchased with money, of course. It's purchased with the blood of Christ. It's not earned by good works. There's no amount of good works that we could ever do to be worthy of heaven. So uh, we're poor in that sense. We have nothing to offer God. And so that's why when we understand that as we're born again, we rejoice in His grace. Because we realize that what God gave us in salvation was a gift. (laughs) By the way, a free gift. And being saved and learning the word, we realize that Christ calls us to be lights for him and witnesses for him. But we also learned we have no power in ourselves to do that. The one who empowers us is who? His Holy Spirit. And we have to trust in him moment by moment. And we learned that in our own wisdom we don't have any wisdom of our own to direct us in this Christian life we have nothing to uh, to, uh, to, uh, to give God uh, toward our salvation in that either all the wisdom that God has for us is in his word and by his spirit and we are to walk in his will if we have an idea we check it out with God amen if God says that's a good, that, 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 God's word says that, we're supposed to walk in that, so that's what we do. If it doesn't match up with God's word, then what? It's not wisdom. There is no wisdom, nor knowledge, nor understanding, nor, nor counsel, what? Against the Lord. Anything that goes against this book is not true wisdom. And so we try all things by this book. So we found ourselves as poor, destitute beggars last week. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We, God is the giver, we are the takers. We receive. Ask and it shall be given you. Amen. And keep asking as a believer for God's grace. When we learn those truths about ourselves, it creates mourning. Doesn't it? I, as God convicts us, we're sorry about our sin. Uh, it's kind of a mournful thing that we have nothing to offer. It's a mournful thing that because of our sin and the fall of mankind, we have no power in, uh, in this salvation or wisdom. It kind of makes us mourn. And by the way, that's a good thing. You see, God wanted us to realize we're absolutely poor last week. We have nothing to offer. We're absolutely empty of anything to get saved or make our salvation better of ourselves or keep our salvation. It all comes and is given to us by God. But it's a good thing that we learn that we're totally empty. Because until we are totally empty, we can't be filled with the Spirit of God. I can trust in myself for a while if I want. God will let us do that. There are multiple ways to learn. The best way is by faith in God's word. However, failure is also a good teacher, isn't it? (laughs) And that's where we find ourselves when we think that we have something to offer. If we're trusting in that, it's only a matter of time until our failure will become evident to to ourselves and to others. (laughs) So God will let us do that for a while, and that will teach us a lesson. And we'll learn in that. But in the meantime, we go on. We want to trust God with all our hearts. And this morning, we are looking at at mourning. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, We live in a mourning world. And I mean a sorrowing world. Since the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, we realize that. God finished creation and when he was done he said behold it was very good but something happened between that and Genesis 3 what was that God had given Adam and Eve one commandment to obey this gave them the opportunity to exercise a relationship with God they could choose to love God and not eat of that one tree 
or they could choose to do their own will think that they had something to add to what God had think that God left something out and that's by the way what they did Eve was deceived by the devil and Adam uh, chose to love Eve over God and both of them broke God's commandment and mankind fell and that's where sin comes from and by the way that's where mourning came into the world and the sorrow and it's here uh, until God uh, changes this place and we have that new heaven and new earth and such uh, we see that that mourning that curse was put upon, uh, upon uh, mankind and even upon the creation God told Eve in Genesis 3.16 I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy, con and thy conception in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband he shall rule over thee unto Adam God said uh, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee saying thou shalt not eat of it cursed is the ground for thy sake here it is in sorrow shalt thou eat of it what all the days of thy life the, your existence now is going to involve sorrow a sorrowful existence God went on to say about the curse that he put on the earth thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee till thou return unto the ground for out of it wast thou taken dust thou art and unto dust shalt thou return <laughs> now that's a pretty sorrowful picture isn't it <laughs> indeed that is a there's cause for mourning there if we didn't have all of the information there's cause for mourning in the fall God does have things for us he does have things, things for us Romans 5.12 wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed what upon all men for that all have sinned why is there death in the world because man sinned by the way, what is, brings more mourn, mourning and sorrow than death? <laughs> and we, people have feared a death uh, uh, from the time they can be, begin to understand what it is. <laughs> and the creation mourns. In Romans 8.22, Paul writes, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain, together until now the creation is mourning we see it as we look around those who don't believe in God or know the scriptures are fearful looking at the earth and what's happening the resources are being depleted you say, could the resources on earth last, last forever? Not as we see it scientifically right now. I mean, God could perform a miracle, I guess, make it, make it happen. He will make a new heaven and earth that will last forever, that's for sure. But the way this one is, it wouldn't. God's going to change that. So it's no wonder that people who don't believe in God are fearful. They see an end in some way <laughs> uh, to this planet. <laughs> God's in control. God's in control. We don't fear as the world fears. But we see all, all of creation is in a state of decay, of dying, of death. And we call it what? Entropy. Everything tends to break down. Tends to come to disorder. If you've had a vehicle for very long, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you buy it new, and, and it's in great shape. It's the best thing you ever bought. And what happens after a while? It all falls apart. Kind of like, like this thing that we're in here right now, <laughs> doesn't it? That's called entropy. You see it all about us. I was reading some on entropy, and 
I saw online someone asked a question Is entropy bad? Is entropy bad? I thought, no, that's an interesting question. I clicked on that to see what the answers were. And so, someone answered it who wasn't a believer, but had some knowledge, I guess, earthly knowledge. So here was their answer. Not wanting this person to be too concerned. Uh, is entropy bad? Here's the answer. It's just a tendency of the universe. We as living beings fight against the increase of entropy in our bodies. Through exercise and diet and all that, we try to keep our bodies from breaking down like we know they are. <laughs> we fight against the increase of entropy in our bodies. As a result, it's a little bad for business if you consider it's, in, it's inevitable that entry increases. In other words, if you face the truth uh, that you, you can fight it all you want, sooner or later it's going to win, some people might give up the fight. <laughs> what, what are you saying? Because all we have apart from God is, is just trying to live here as long as we can, you know. If you tell people, well, you, well you're going to die anyway, you can't win the battle, they might give up. Isn't it sad that the lost world many times doesn't see they can have hope in Christ? Amen. Uh, he went on to say, on the other hand, it really doesn't matter for non-living beings. <laughs> well, okay, well, first of all, we're a living being, okay, so, so, that, so we're not, so, so it matters to us. And secondly, I ask myself, are there any non-living beings? What, what are those? <laughs> uh, how empty an answer. How empty an answer. Creation is cursed. And we see it. Uh, someone has said, creation sings in a minor key. You ever thought about that? The minor key, that that note that's a, that's a flat or a sharp that just sounds a little sad, a little melancholy. And that's the way creation is. You ever hear the wind blow through the trees? Minor key. Ever hear a coyote howl in the desert? Minor key. Ever hear the whales? They 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 now have their sonar that they that they can hear the, 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 the them communicating with each other in the ocean. Minor keys. You ever hear a dove in the morning cooing? Minor key. Someone proposed, I, I didn't check it out, and it'd take some study to check it out. Someone proposed that every bird's song is in a minor key. I began thinking about that. Those of you who've worked in the nursery know that we have the bird book in there. I'm, I'm sure most of you can say, yeah, we've heard it, we've heard it, we've heard it. We, we press the sound of the bird, we hear what the bird sound. And I was thinking about those birds, and you know, of the ones that I know, and of course it's not very many, but of the ones that I know where they, I can hear their song, I couldn't really think of any that wasn't in a minor key. Interesting. Creation sings in a minor key. Solomon wrote about that, Ecclesiastes, you know, vanity, 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 vanity. All is vanity. We get up, we were made of dust, and we're going to return to dust. And unless Christ comes back and living believers don't have to die, everybody will face that. <laughs> unless Christ comes back, he's coming back, if he comes back in our lifetime. <laughs> we'll have to face that death. And there's no way around that part for a miracle of God. The minor key. We've heard every rose has its what? Thorn. <laughs> every rose has its thorn. Thinking about the uh, about the idea of birds having the the minor key, and uh, Rebecca was with us this morning. They went on up to Brother Jake was this morning, and and uh, church up there in uh, in uh, uh, Tigard, and we were talking about the birds. She's yeah, even even the rooster, uh, that minor key. She says you know well, the rooster, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> she said uh, she said. 
cock-a-doodle-doo, it all over again and all over again. <laughs> do it all over again. Uh, cock-a-doodle-doo, just do, keep on doing it. Next morning, the same thing. And apart from knowing an eternal God, there is no escape from that hopeless circle of life, so to speak. Uh, creation has that minor key. Well, believers, we can be comforted. And we see, first of all, number one, that believers who mourn will be comforted, number one, in the sovereign. That is, in God himself. God will comfort us. First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That's blessed are the poor in spirit. <laughs> that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Every worry, every burden, every care. Take your burden to the Lord, what? And leave it there, amen? Believers uh, who mourn can be comforted in the sovereign and God. I thought about the idea of mourning and creation. I wonder who first mourned in creation. Who was the first being to mourn? Interesting to think about. I offer an illustration to expound on that. In 2 Kings, Elisha, a man of God, prophet, has a servant, a helper by the name of Gehazi. Elisha has just healed a man named Naaman of leprosy. Naaman was a, a, Syrian, a, a Syrian soldier. Naaman wanted to give Elisha a reward for healing him. Elisha refused it and sent him on his way, perfectly healed of, of that leprosy. Gehazi saw that, saw all the treasures and such the soldier had brought with him. And he thought, I think I'll get in on this a little bit. So he runs back out to Naaman. Naaman says, it's all well. And Gehazi says in, in uh, 2 Kings uh, uh, chapter uh, 5 and, and uh, verse uh, 22 and following, uh, all is well. He says, my master has sent me saying, Behold, even now there be come to me uh, from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray, the talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and, be, and bestowed them in the house and let the men go. And they departed. But he, Gehazi, went in and stood before his master, Elijah. And Elijah said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? Where you been? What's up, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. It's been hanging out here, Elijah. I mean, Elisha, I didn't go anywhere. And I like what Elisha said, because I think it was God's heart speaking right through Elisha. Here's what Elisha's comment was, knowing what Gehazi had done by the, by the Spirit of God. And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee? When the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen 
and men servants and maid servants. The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from the presence a leper as white as snow. But what happened? By the Spirit of God, Elisha knew what Gehazi had done. And he said, What went not my heart with thee? Why did you do that? It breaks my heart that you've done that. Now think about this. Do you think God knew Adam and Eve were going to sin? Oh, absolutely. Or he ever created. By the way, uh, sometime before that, the angels uh, 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 fell and also rebelled against God. Do you think that God knew that was going to happen? Absolutely. And I would say, we could say the same thing about God when the angels fell and when Adam and Eve sinned, went not my heart with thee? God didn't make the angels so that they would uh, sin, so that they had to sin. We don't see that in the scripture. Did it break the heart of God that Lucifer wanted to be like the Most High? Yeah, it did. I'm sure it did. God didn't make man that he had to sin. Did it break the heart of God that Adam and Eve went and, and, and did that? Yeah, it did. And by the way, so who mourned first? God did. God did. Now the mourning is obviously greater in the actual experience of the, of the event. I was telling my wife, you know, if, if, if for some reason the Lord took her before me uh, back home to heaven, I'd rejoice that she's there, but there'd be great mourning in my life. I know that. There'd be great sorrow. I foreknow that now for a fact but it will still be more powerful when I experience it I don't understand how all that applies to God because he's greater than we are and I'm not going to try to put him in a box I'm just saying it makes me think but definitely God in some way was the first being to mourn knowing that we would walk away from the only one who has deserved 100% true faithfulness all the time. He mourned. God himself was the first, was the first one to mourn. Uh, and, uh, and that's a sobering thought uh, to think about. <clears throat> so what did God do? This creation... The creature, Romans 8.20, was made subject to vanity. Not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. God has a plan. He's going to use our mourning for his good and for his glory. We'll see that as we go through the message. Mourning is an opportunity for the moving and ministry of the sovereign God in our lives. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, we know about our God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Isn't that comfortable? Isn't that comforting? God says, I'm listening. And by the way, I know, I know the sorrows of my people. And by the way, I'm going to do something about it. <laughs> I'm going to use it for my glory. That's comforting. That's comforting. See, God, our sovereign, comforts us. Uh, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken spirit and a contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. When we mourn over the right things... God receives that as a sacrifice. We'll learn about what some of those things are here shortly. 2 Corinthians 1.3 He is the God of all comfort who comforted us in all our tribulation. 
Thank God for that. Thank God for that. As believers, we find comfort. We are comforted in the sovereign. Secondly, as believers, we are comforted in the Savior. We are comforted in the Savior. Isaiah 53, 5. He, our Savior, uh, the Messiah, is, uh, is despised and rejected of men. Here it is. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus Christ came to earth and put on a body. Philippians chapter 2 tells us about that. And he became a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He came to spend some time here. What, 33 and about, about 33 and a half years, we guess, in, a, in an actual physical body. Think about this. The scriptures encourage us in Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. What God is saying is, oh, you've heard others say how good I am. You've heard others testify of how powerful I am. But what God is saying, why don't you come? Why don't you come and trust me yourself? Why don't you come and experience what you've heard others testify of? He's inviting them. Oh, taste and see. The Lord is good. But let's remember this. Not only has God known sorrows and mourning that we have not known, he has some sorrows and mourning because of his fallen creation that are really beyond our full understanding. But he, he invites us, come and taste and see. But listen, he came to earth to taste and see himself of our grief. He invites the world, come and taste and see of my goodness. And we know he came to what? Taste and see of our grief. We'll never understand that fully. Especially the grief that Jesus Christ went through. He did that for you and me. See, he foreknew we would sin. He knew he would be crucified. And he came here and experienced it. Every bit of it. Every bit of the human life from conception to death. For you and me. Because he loved the Father. He was paying for the salvation of the whole world. The payment of which nothing can be taken away or added to, by the way. What he did. Hebrews 2.9. Oops, let's go back and turn it on there. Hebrews 2.9. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Did Jesus become an angel? No. He became a man, Philippians 2. He's made a little lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death. He came to taste my miseries and woe that I deserve for me. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, here it is, should taste death for every man, every human being. I'm going to partake of your sorrows and your sorrows and your sorrows and your sorrows. I don't just know it up here, I know it through here. I'm going to live through it with you what an amazing thing there is no substitute for the empathy prayers and comfort of one who has been through your trials and found comfort 
Oh yeah, there's a wisdom to share uh, to help others avoid trials. And it ought to be heeded. But you know, when we talk to somebody who's been through it, and they share the same wisdom, <laughs> or maybe they didn't listen to the, the wisdom and had to go through it the hard way themselves, what it means more. Maybe it wasn't a result of sin. Oh, you know, all sorrows uh, sometimes, uh, uh, well, originally sickness and all that thing did come in because of original sin. But every time someone gets sick doesn't mean that they had a personal sin that they, that they did to get sick. We know that. We've studied that. Sickness is now here uh, just because we're in a fallen creation. People that are right with God get sick sometimes. <laughs> And sometimes uh, a certain sickness is because of a certain sin that I've done or you've done. And God's chastening us. We have to discern that ourselves with God and the Word of God. Spirit of God. No substitute. I think about Jesus when he went to heal Lazarus. He knew what he was going to do. He knew what he was going to do. Where have you laid him, they said unto him. Lord, come and see. John 11. John 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. He was sharing their sorrows. He was mourning with them over the sorrows they felt. Others said what? Behold how he loved them. Behold how he loved them. Job said, He knoweth the way that I take. Job didn't know the half of it yet. <laughs> he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job knew God knew all things. I don't know if he fully understand that God was going to become a man. And actually go through the way that Job had to take. <laughs> At one point he said, he said, uh, you know, uh, uh, he said, "Oh, if there was, if there was just a day's man betwixt us, me and God. In other words, if somebody could just put their hand on God's shoulder and on my shoulder and just help me through this trials." Job didn't realize how, that God was going to do that. <laughs> he didn't have the full understanding that you and I have today of that. Christ is what there's one mediator between God and man. Who the man Christ Jesus. Amen. Uh, He's our all. He's our all. So we are comforted. We'll be comforted in the Savior. We'll be comforted in the, Savior, in, in the Savior. Thirdly, we'll be comforted in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Spirit is our comforter. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. Notice it didn't say... If you want to get to heaven, keep my commandments. You won't find that in the Bible. You had to have that done for you to pay your way into heaven. Jesus did that for you. Because perfection in God's eyes requires keeping all the commandments all the time, and you, did, you haven't done it, neither have I. If there's anybody else you've known except for one person whom you can know by faith, and his name's Jesus Christ. But then after having done it for us, <laughs> And those we receive gift, the gift of, we receive eternal life as a free gift through faith in Jesus Christ. Then Jesus says, "What to disciples? If you love me, keep my commandments." I will pray the Father; He will give you what another Comforter. In other words, just like me. Matter of fact, Him within us, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Who is the Spirit of God? It's Christ living in you. And he's not there until you invite him. <laughs> he's not there until you repent of your sins and turn to him and ask him to be your Savior, believing in him. The Spirit will comfort us. Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. <laughs> the peace of God does that. Anybody ever, had, anybody ever had the peace of God that passes understanding? Yeah, I have. And, and many of you have as well going through some trials. I don't know how this is going to work, God, but somehow you're going to be glorified. 
Somehow you're going to help me. Somehow you're going to help and guide in this situation. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long suffering, generous, goodness, meekness, faith, all those things. But love, joy, peace. That sounds like comfort to me, doesn't it? Does God take all our problems away? No. One of those fruits is long suffering, <laughs> strength. The Spirit. Believers will mourn, uh, who mourn will be comforted in the Spirit. about done here fourthly believers who mourn will be comforted in the saints in the saints second corinthians 1 4 god comforted us in all our tribulation what's it say that we may be able to what comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we are comforted of god <laughs> did you get that we're comforted in the, in the saints. I have seen some of the saints go through some hard trials. I see some saints going through some hard trials right now. And I haven't been where you've been yet. But you know what? Your strength is a comfort to me. Because when I see you helped... <laughs> You know what I got hope for? When I get there, or if I go through that, God will help me too. God will help me too. By the way, when I see a brother or sister going through something I hadn't been through, I pray for them. Because I know it's very likely my turn's coming many times. And when my turn comes, guess what I want? I want my brethren praying for me. Amen. I want the brethren praying for me. God uses his people to comfort one another as well. The saints. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, as we're finishing that book up in, in the Bible study there. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, saints, and edify one another even as you, even as also you do. The Thessalonians were, were on the right track. They were a young church, but they were on the right track. And I thank God for God's people. <clears throat> Comfort that we received there. Fifthly, we find comfort what? In our salvation. In our salvation. You see, it's not, it's not that we're saved. The Bible says that those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So we get saved and in the world you shall have tribulation, Jesus said. There's all kinds of problems and troubles because we are in a cursed world. But God gives us the strength. And rejoicing through our trials and troubles. And yes, he does. Thank God for that. But that's not the entirety of his plan. You see, it's not that heaven will be, oh, there's going to be lots of problems, but don't worry. Just like God was here with you on earth, he'll be with you in heaven. We'll be sorrows to face and, 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 try, and, you know, and struggles, but, but you can be right with God all the way through them in heaven, just like you are here. It's not like that, folks. <laughs> It's different. Our salvation promises something different than this cursed earth. Amen. In uh, Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. What else did John see? He saw, he saw God. Uh, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. That sounds pretty good. He goes on to say, And God, here it is, shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Neither, all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, 
Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And hallelujah, aren't you looking forward to that? We ought to have that great hope. It's not going to be like here. No sorrow. No sighing. No curse. Revelation 22.3 And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And His servants shall serve Him. <laughs> wonderful. God has a wonderful place for us to go. He's going to make that new heaven, new earth. We're going to be with Him forever in splendor that we cannot explain. Nor have we experienced there too. Uh, what He's going to do for us. Why? Because of what Jesus did for us. That's an amazing thing. Our salvation, where we're going. And by the way, what does God do now in our salvation? Romans 8, 28. And we know what? That all things work together for good to them who love God. To him who are what? Are the, call, are the called according to his purpose. Wait a minute, preacher. That, 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 that verse says all things. You mean sorrows too? Especially. I bet the devil was surprised when he plotted to see mankind fall out of his hatred for God. <laughs> What's this? How get God for casting me out? I'm going to have a, uh, I'm going to make mankind sin and they're going to be miserable and sorrowful. Of course, he didn't reveal that to them. <laughs> but he fooled them. At least Steve and then Adam blatantly disobeyed. And then what happened? God says, now watch this. I'm going to use their sorrows to make them into the image of my son. I bet the devil was surprised about that plan. <laughs> All the sorrows of earth that are around them, God says, they're fallen. They have a fallen nature. I want to conform them by my power and by my word into the image of my blessed son. And I'm going to even take even their sorrows and use it to do that. <laughs> what a wonderful blessing. But when the sorrow comes as we're seeking God's will, we know God what? Has something good planned even from that sorrow. Even from that sorrow. Oh, those that have walked with God and learned that. We learn <clears throat> so much from sorrow. Ecclesiastes 7, 1. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all, of, of, of all men. And the living shall lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of myrrh. You see, there's a hell out there awaiting all sinners who don't come to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. The devil knows that and he's trying to hide that. But God uses sorrows what, to drive us to Him. He even uses the sorrows of, uh, of the earth to drive lost people to Him. And to drive believers closer to Him. He's using those things. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. You've all heard laughter is the best medicine. There's, there's some uh, uh, good things about that for your health. The last, last half of the verse says, But by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. Oh, well, that's too bad. Well, is it? Didn't we just learn a broken spirit? The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh, God, that will not despise. <laughs> no, when sorrow breaks our heart, that's a good thing. <laughs> because we go to God. We realize we're empty. And we go there, what? To get filled, Amen. <laughs> We go there to get the strength to go through whatever it is. The wisdom to go through whatever it is. The direction from God's word. 
We go to the saints. We, 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 we look to the Spirit. Uh, we look to, the, to, the, to my last point coming up here. And we learn these things. Uh, sorrow of heart. The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth, layeth it to heart. Merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. See, I mentioned one of the greatest sorrows we face is what? Death. And we mourn. We mourn. By the way, it's one of the uses of this word sorrow here. It's mourning, wailing. But God says, but wait a minute. Look at the big picture of what I've showed you. You're living in a cursed earth. You're going to a place, if you believe in me, that has no sorrow. Don't forget, beloved, when a believer dies, their sorrow is over. They are in the presence, in our presence is what? Fullness of joy. Right? They're in a better place. Paul, Paul said, for me to depart in Christ is what? To be with Christ is what? Far better. Yeah, it's a sorrowful thing, but don't forget it's sorrowful for us. Why? Because we're going to miss our brother or sister in Christ. We're going to miss them. It's sorrowful for us. But I'll guarantee you, there's not one believer that ever departed and would say, I'd like to go back to earth for a while, please God. Yeah. Not a one of them. <laughs> They're all saying, no, you, you wait. You, you, I'm going to wait for you to come up here and see me. I'm not going back down there. God has so much better for us. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Think about this thing. There is a blessed sorrow. What are we to mourn over? Prophecy of the Messiah, Isaiah 61.1 and following. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. And then to comfort all that mourn. Did you get that? You see, what's sorrowful right now is sin and the, and, and the fall and all that, that that has done to this earth. What does God want you and I to mourn about uh, mostly and majorly that we, will, that we will find comfort? We mourn about our own sin. When we're born again, we want to be closer to God and you know, we make some stupid mistake and we, we get crossways with God and disobey and it creates a mourning in our heart. That's a good thing. That's a sorrow God wants to comfort. And we can get it right, amen. What's the other one? It's the sorrow of this sin-cursed world. You see, you and I mourn over their sin, but there are people, folks, that love their sin. And they want to do more of it. You see, when you hear the gospel, something happens. A, we realize a desire in ourselves and a sorrow at the same time. And it goes one way or the other depending on how you receive the gospel or whether you receive it or not. When someone hears about Christ and their, their helplessness to save themselves, they realize they're condemned by their sin, they're on their way to hell, and apart from believing in Jesus Christ, they can't be saved. But what do they do? They believe. They have a sorrow for their sin and a desire for Christ's forgiveness. Their heart has made a choice, you see that? But something the opposite happens for those who reject it. They hear the same gospel. The same spirit is moving so that they can make a choice either way at that time. But they love their sin. They also have a sorrow. Their sorrow that they heard, they're sorrowful of the thought of departing from their sin. 
Oh, Jesus died for my, my sins bad. They're sorry they heard that. Why? Because they've made a choice in their heart to desire their sin. They also have a desire and a sorrow. Their desire, those who reject it, is to remain in their sin. And their sorrow is, I'm sorry I hurt them. I'm on my way to hell for doing that. It goes one way or the other. And what does God want us to do? Call upon his name. Amen. That's when we choose. God enables us. We're going to make a choice. I'm going to love my sin and say, no, thank you, God. I'll stay in my, the way I am for a while. Or I'm going to say, God, I'm, I, I want to love you. Forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. That's it. There's the divide, right? That, that sword divides right there. And that just says, the heart is doing It's exposing its desire and its longing. And it makes the choice accordingly. God wants us to have the right sorrow. And then finally, and I'm done. This one can be real quick. The reason is, believers who mourn will be comforted in the scriptures. So whatsoever things are written aforetime or written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You say, well, ain't a preacher. Why is this one so short? Where do you think we learned all that other stuff? <laughs> you see, we've already been through and through all the It's the scriptures that have shown us all this stuff. Everything we learn and know about God, is, we, we learn through what? The scriptures. And so we find comfort in eternal life. We find comfort in forgiveness of sins. We find comfort in that we comfort one another. Uh, you know, we find comfort in that God uses our sorrows uh, to make us like him. We learned all those things in the scriptures. The scriptures give us, give us that comfort. And so thank God, uh, thank God uh, for that comfort. So God wants us to mourn all mourning is due to comes due to original sin those who mourn are those who mourn over the situation of this world and over their own sin will be comforted by the spirit by the spirit and uh, uh, and power of God and God uh, will use that uh, for his glory as we seek him in that Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And, and God, you said, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And you said the scriptures were given that we through patience and comfort the scriptures might have hope. You included patience in there. Endurance. Our sorrows are not going to go away in this world. And we'll need that strength to bear them when they come. But we have the hope of eternal life. And that you will work all things for the good to those that love you. Somehow through our sorrow. Not only are we comforted in, in, in that we have an eternal home in heaven once we're saved. We also have the comfort that you'll use even our sorrows. To make us more like Christ. To have more fruit to the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith. You'll use it for that. We can trust you for that. And we'll find the strength to bear, as your word says, whatever you allow in our lives. You will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able but we're with a temptation to make a way to escape that we may, may be able to bear it. Thank you, God. I thank you that Jesus came down here to taste my sorrows so that if I would trust him, I could taste your goodness. I could taste his goodness. And I thank you for that. Father, I pray that your spirit would just move and Father, there may be one uh, receiving this message this morning online or here. And the way of salvation uh, has been made clear, I believe. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. That's the short of it. But dear God, you have said 
For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest, anyone, lest any man should boast. We learn that salvation's a gift for those who recognize what we just heard from the Scripture. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That will bring us to sorrow over our sin, and we want to be forgiven. Then we call upon your name. And then you said, shall be saved. Anyone could do that right now in their own words. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, and I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I want to be forgiven. Please save me and forgive me. I believe you're the sinless Son of God who died for me and rose again. I trust you to save me and forgive me. Once that's done from the heart, in whatever words they use, doesn't matter. You're looking at the heart. They'll be saved and immediately forgiven, just as you promised and forgiven for all of eternity. You've never lost a sheep, a single one, nor will you ever. And I thank you for that. I pray that they would do that. And those who've done that, I pray they would tell us. Uh, the Bible says that uh, he that believeth believe shall, shall not be ashamed. And the Bible says, uh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If we've been saved, we ought to tell another because we have good news to tell give the grace to do that I pray as well Father we thank you, we praise you, I thank you for this church we pray and ask these things in Jesus name for his glory, amen